True Connections is a journey within to discover that you are part of everything. Life can often feel disjointed, but you and I are actually connected to one another, to nature, to animals, and many other ways like your thoughts, intentions, dreams, even your imagination. It's my desire to bring spiritual insight to these true connections so that you can get into the flow of life, receive the things that you want without struggle, and enjoy a more constant level of happiness. I am Weston Jolly, your host. Consider compassion. I find it interesting the things that come up that are created for me to see even more clearly. This week, it's been all about compassion. I'm not suggesting that this is happenstance or fate, quite the opposite. These are things we create to become aware, to grow, and to become empowered. In essence, we are continuing to create everything around us to expand. It's the same thing as traveling. Every time you or I take a trip, we are out of our ordinary routine. We get to see more about ourselves and how we relate compassionately with others in the world. This is just too woo-woo general. So pardon me while I get really personal. To properly understand some of the things that I want to share, I need to give you some backstory. The housing development that I grew up in was a lot like what you'd see from the movie Back to the Future. Our house was a cookie-cutter tract house in the subdivision called Cavalier Estates. Our family never moved during the entirety of my growing up but I was bounced around to different schools because our house was located on the border of two cities. In a nutshell, school districts weren't open, far from it, and I had to go to the schools in Tempe because our house was barely located within the borders of that city. That said, it was kind of normal for all the kids in our neighborhood to be shuffled around to different schools in Tempe, even though none of us wanted to change schools. When I began attending elementary school, the school district, like many others across the nation at that time, began integrating different kids from different areas. This was the first time I would ever be a minority. The kids from our neighborhood, which were predominantly white, were integrated with Hispanic kids from other school districts. Nothing was weird, except there was an immediate division created in the school. This was compounded by many Hispanic kids gathering in different gangs. I wasn't a part of a gang, and to my knowledge, there weren't any white gangs. But to be totally honest, I might be naive. All I know is there was a lot of division, anger, and fighting that took place at school for no apparent reason beyond race. It would be silly to recognize only two races in the entire elementary school, but Hispanics and Caucasians were the largest groups. For the first time in my life, I wasn't sitting in the majority. Things were different, very different. People from both sides carried knives to school to protect themselves. I was trying to lay low, ultimately wanting to feel safe. One event in particular escalated the racial tensions at school to a new height. A Hispanic kid had stolen a gun, some bullets, and a pair of stainless steel handcuffs and came to school with a horrible intent. The boy with the gun and a group of his friends surrounded their victim and nabbed him. They carried him, kicking and screaming to the outer parts of the playground that was surrounded by a metal chain-link fence. The Caucasian kid was handcuffed to the fence so he couldn't get away. 
The student that had stolen the gun put a single bullet into the chamber and spun it. A lot of yelling and crying was going on when the gun trigger was pulled. This time, it was only a click. Again, the bully with the pistol spun the gun's bullet chamber to repeat the game of Russian roulette. The trigger was again pulled and... Click. A few moments later, the inciting people was arrested as those were who were directly helping him. This true story swept through our small school like wildfire. All the tensions, the racial tensions, got even higher. What does this have to do with us today? And what does it have to do with compassion? Compassion means feeling a deep sympathy for another. I had compassion for the kid handcuffed to the fence, but none for the bully. All I really wanted was for my parents to get me out of this school. Understandably, I was afraid, and thus, my compassion was limited. Let me share something else with you, and then allow me to connect these two incidents together. Last week, I broke our SUV's windshield. It was a mistake, but I should have known better. I was loading something in the vehicle, and I smashed the window from the inside. I called our mechanic, who recommended a company that could replace the windshield at a fraction of what we would normally pay. I was excited to find the cheapest alternative to fixing the glass. I was following the directions provided by my iPhone when I hear, You've arrived. As I looked up and looked at the dirt driveway into what appeared to be a junkyard. It's been a long while since I've driven out from the luxury of our city, and I was now in a very poor suburb of Phoenix. I brought cash, as my mechanic had told me. I was uncomfortable in this part of town, but most especially with this business. I got out of the car, and as I was starting to walk into a filthy trailer that I assumed was the office, when a young man stopped and asked me if I needed help. I said yes. He orally took my order and then pointed to a lone office chair sitting in the middle of the dirt amongst parts and debris lying around everywhere, telling me that I could wait there. Suddenly, I felt the emotional impact of my past come flying to the surface. I was the only Caucasian in this place. I felt scared. I don't speak Spanish, and I felt like everybody was looking at me. I felt out of place. The dusty green office chair from the 60s didn't have a spring, so you couldn't lean back without falling backwards. So there I sat, tight and upright. I counted the minutes until I would get to leave. There was a delay in getting a new windshield, and the man helping me said in the only English that was ever used, it won't be too much longer. In the meantime, I watched a customer walk by in shorts with an ankle monitor. It was the size of two packs of hard carton cigarettes strapped together, and it was designed to be fat, bulky, and embarrassing. This dude didn't care as he wore it on display. I didn't realize that his ankle monitor looked a lot like a small gun strapped to his ankle. I looked around the open yard, and the fencing around me was the same chain-link fence used by my elementary school. I felt trapped. The job was finally finished, and I was very glad to leave. As I drove away, I felt a combination of fear, relief, and wonderment. I was running late to a family event, so I stuffed all my feelings and emotions the best that I could. But all I felt was fear. I didn't feel any compassion. Then I began to think about how others might feel in visiting my home or city. 
I really never thought of it like this before. Well, certainly I have, but never compassionately. Let me share something else with you. For the last several weeks, we've been having some remodeling done on our house. Alex was referred to us. Alex regularly works 10 to 12-hour days doing all kinds of construction work. He's resourceful, quick, and he takes strong personal pride in what he does. There's a big difference between someone who can swing a hammer and someone who is a craftsman, and Alex is the latter. There's one thing that we like most about Alex, and that's his attitude. Unconsciously, Alex hums, whistles, and sings in Spanish while he works. Unfortunately, I don't speak Spanish, but I'm grateful that Alex's English is far better than my Spanish. I've taken a real interest in Alex. I didn't know it until this past week, but he's been working in the United States for 18 years as an illegal alien. I know, because I thought to ask. This concerns me because I'm aware of our current political prejudices towards his race and others, especially in Arizona. My conversations with Alex are pretty funny. He's patiently teaching me some Spanish words here and there. I usually pantomime while speaking English very slowly. I've discovered that Alex understands a great deal more than he lets on, which is much more than I understand of his language. After some time of slowly getting to know one another, Alex took me into his confidence and shared this true story. A few years ago, Alex said he was leaving for work at 5 a.m. when a Caucasian policeman pulled him over. The law enforcement officer was angry and screamed at Alex to hand him his registration, insurance, and driver's license. Alex, respectively, handed the officer everything he asked for. When the officer was done, he threw the registration, the insurance certificate, and the Mexican driver's license on the floor of the car. The cop yelled, Do you even speak English? Scared, Alex responded, No. The cop suddenly went into a tirade and pulled his gun and told Alex to put his hands on top of the steering wheel. He said, if you move, I'll kill you. Alex sat motionless as another officer was dispatched to the scene. The officer was bilingual and asked Alex all the same questions as the previous officer had asked while Alex sat motionless. The Hispanic officer also noted that Alex was driving with a Mexican driver's license. It was determined that all of Alex's paperwork was in order, minus the missing Arizona driver's license. The original policeman wrote Alex four tickets claiming that none of his paperwork he demanded was in proper order and that Alex had indeed threatened the officer. Alex came to appear at a civil court in front of the judge for the tickets that totaled $1,200 in fines. The judge was satisfied with all the documentation Alex provided, but he did impose a $200 fine for driving without a valid Arizona driver's license. As Alex was telling me of this incident, he kept lowering his voice and whispering the word racista, speaking of the policeman who pulled him over. Alex was very humble in telling me this true account. I apologized for the cop being racist. Alex smiled and shrugged his shoulder as if to say, what are you going to do? I felt emotional and thanked him for sharing, but I again apologized. Only one time in my life have I been a minority, and that was in elementary school. 
And recently, I felt scared getting our car's windshield fixed. Nothing happened. I was just in a different culture for an hour and a half. Then, I thought compassionately of Alex and so many others. Alex comes to my house, which I know is much bigger and much more luxurious than his tiny two-bedroom apartment. And he's always calling me Senor. I know he knows my name, but out of true respect, I can't get him to call me Weston. I've never thought of myself, or even my race, as intimidating. Suddenly, I felt emotional because I never thought that the other students in 7th grade might have felt afraid too. They were probably alarmed, and as a result grouped together in the same way that I did with others of our neighborhood. Back then, I thought the whole group was part of a gang. That was unfair. There were gangs at the school, and looking back for all I know, there were gangs on both sides. I was naive. I know I'm naive. I feel compassion for Alex as I've never been pulled over by a policeman with a weapon drawn on my head. I've never gone to a court in another country. I demand English to be the language that I speak, even if I'm in a foreign country. In getting personal, I know I need to become much more sensitive in being further connected. I thought I would consider compassion. I've been arrogant. I've not been paying attention. I've not been compassionate. I recently came across an article titled, The World is Changing Before Our Eyes and We Can't Do Anything to Stop It. From every perspective, this is true. The world is changing. But this headline, like so many others, is filled with despair, fear, and doom, and the exact opposite of the truth. For me to change, I thought I would consider a little compassion. Whatever things that I've supported to create separation must come to an end. This starts with me. There's nobody else. If I'm truly to be compassionate, then I must open myself even further to see the truth. If I'm truly compassionate, there's no need for me to pretend. I have to rid myself of all those bats in my attic so that there are no more lies that I host in my mind. I'm referencing the True Connections with Weston Jolly podcast episode 27 with the same title, Bats in My Attic. If I haven't been compassionate, which is more than a state of mind, then I must be in truth and change this. This change requires my actions to be more connected through compassion. It's not enough to watch a documentary, read an article, or just offer money. We have to change the way we do things. So many believe that change has to be implemented in the tiniest of increments so that it's not considered to be too disruptive. I think there's a place for incremental change. But I also think that if you're really wanting to change, you have to be willing to swing for the fences. This means bold change, serious advancement. It's a bold revolution. If you want to be compassionate, if you don't want to warm up to the idea, you can dive right in. This means getting involved. If you've been complacent or unaware to others around you, as I have, you can consider compassion. Compassion starts with yourself. Otherwise, any love or compassion that you'd offer outside of yourself can easily come across as insincere or fake. If you're considering compassion, get in it. It's much more than giving a thumbs up to a Facebook or Instagram post. 
And if you don't feel it, how can you offer true compassion to another? I keep thinking of Alex and his tolerance of things that he can't control, like prejudice and hate. His example of compassion moved me. I watched him shrug his shoulders, like the title of the article in a hopeless state, saying, What are you going to do? I think of Alex's sweet smile and actions to be an invitation to do something. You may ask yourself, like what? What things can you do to be more compassionate? Well, I can think of several ideas to jumpstart your being compassionate. Warning, they're not too incremental. They're fearless. Again, being compassionate incrementally is totally cool, but I'm emphasizing the bold method. A friend and client of mine has started an organization that she calls Roll With It. If you're interested in exactly what she's doing, go to this podcast page and click on the link. It's a brave approach. She's asking you to sit in a wheelchair for a day. I'm telling you, if you've never tried something like this, it's an incredible means of putting yourself in someone else's shoes. You might learn a little compassion. Want some more ideas on how to be more compassionate? Go ride a bus. Go to the hospital and sit in the waiting room. Go downtown and visit the homeless. I know of a woman who did this, and she was invited into a small tent and was offered a meal. It can be really hard to receive when someone is giving to you when you think that you're the one that should be giving. This is what compassion is all about, isn't it? Go to a senior's home. Have you ever been? Well, I could describe it, but it won't be the same as you're going. Go find out what it's like to be in the midst of all those elders. Serve a meal at the Ronald McDonald House. It's pretty simple. You'll meet with an administrator. They'll tell you what to do, and you'll do it. After you're done serving, sit and eat with someone that you might have served. Why not sign up as a hospice volunteer? A close friend of mine continues to do this. He sits, offers his love and compassion to the dying. See, he lost his father and his sister to cancer, and he wants to compassionately give to others. He's quite an example. Why not you? If you're considering compassion, get involved. Don't listen to me. Do it for yourself. Attend an AAA meeting. Just sit and listen. There are endless ways to jump in. Try it. Compassion is a real path to love and connection. Don't be afraid to let yourself get really involved. You might feel kind of awkward at first, but involving yourself compassionately will change you. I feel changed just in having sat in a dirty chair while my windshield was being repaired. I have a new compassionate perspective. I also feel very honored to work with Alex. This is what you want, right? To change the world? Well, it starts here, now with you. I can't wait to hear of your stories of transformation through compassion. Go on now. Seriously, I'd love for you to share your experiences of compassion. Consider compassion. For us to make true connections, we have to engage. 
I really want to hear your comments, so please leave a review at westonjolly.com forward slash review, or go to iTunes and give me your thoughts there. This helps our connection, and it's a tremendous help to others too. Everything we do is designed to offer you a deeper spiritual connection within. You can also make a personal appointment with me, Weston Jolly, right now by going to westonjolly.com. Also, check out my current events, books, and other products. Also, my free newsletter. Thank you for joining me, Weston Jolly, for my podcast, True Connections.